0: God is with me. Dude, God is with me. What can man do to me? God is with me. What can that valley of darkness hold for me? God is with me. God is with me and God is for me. Yahweh, the one who is eternally existing, David says he is. Church, it's good to see you. I I love singing uh, that song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Uh, It's been one of my favorites for a long time, probably since the first time I heard it. And I love, love, love to sing it and uh, flows perfectly with what I want to talk about today. And so, um, Psalm 23 is our text but don't go there yet. I remember it like it was yesterday, the faint jingle. I uh, was off in a distance and uh, grew steadily closer. I, I recognized the sound and uh, sound of a bell sheep. Bell sheep is a, bell sheeping is a leadership principle. Uh, Many of you probably know that, that when you discover somebody doing what you want them to do, you call attention to them, and it's called bell sheeping, because that's the leader everybody follows, the bell sheep, right? Everybody knows that one. Well, I recognize the sound of the bell sheep as the flock made its way through the trees, a short distance from where our group stood. Now, we were in Israel and we were there on this particular day, on this particular site uh, to survey the landscape where the epic battle between David and Goliath was fought. My Old Testament professor Wilbur Williams, many of you know his name. I uh, was fortunate enough to travel to Israel with him, and he had made many archaeological trips. and He was standing, and he was he was explaining to us the the layout of the land and, and where the Israelite encampments would have been and where, where the Philistine encampments would have been and, and perhaps where the exact spot where Goliath would come out and, and raise his fist and, and taunt the Israelite army and the spot where, where David would take his sling and his stone and eventually sever the giant's head. That was a lesson we were supposed to learn, but uh, I was watching another lesson (laughs) unfold. Soon after the bell sheep appeared, bringing up the rear of the flock was a mama sheep, bleeding with every step. Every step she took, and in front of her was a, was a shepherd boy carrying carrying a tiny lamb in, in his arms, and I was enamored by that, and perhaps the lamb was too, cross, too small, too weak to cover the rugged terrain, but there was the shepherd boy carrying the sheep and mama right behind <laughs> Each time I read Psalm 23, that scene just kind of echoes through the memories in my mind. And it is it is perhaps my favorite image of the Good Shepherd. You will have others, and certainly others have um, images of the Good Shepherd that are important to them, but that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Psalm 23 It's one of the most beloved songs in the collection of psalms. Perhaps, perhaps it's one of the favorite uh, passages in, in the scriptures aside from the stories of Jesus and his life and death and resurrection and ascension. But Psalm 23. Janet, Janet Hunt, one of my uh, favorite authors and, and pastors, she, she writes about a time in her ministry career when, when she was assigned uh, nursing home uh, ministry like we have at, at Sycamore Manor. Sometimes it's not really nursing home, but it's a senior living. Uh, facility, and next Wednesday next Sunday at three we will we will make our way to Sycamore first and third Sundays of the month We do this, but Janet Hunt writes about the time when she was as a young pastor was assigned on uh, staff uh, nursing home uh, ministry, and she said I would go there and they would put us in a in a room that was probably the cafeteria as well, where they ate and dishes clinging, everybody washing, scurrying about activity. And uh, Eve, she said, even if I I said something of importance, I don't think anybody heard me. I don't know, sounds like uh, Amy Holt in Buffalo, Cheryl. That's what I'm picturing residents sitting around after their, their meal. And she said, I didn't know what to do. I was growing more and more frustrated. And she said, I stumbled across this idea. Each week, every week that she went, she would simply stand and read the 23rd Psalm. And she said, an amazing thing happened. As as she was reading the psalm, and that's all she did. They would sing maybe a few songs, and and she would read the 23rd psalm. And she said, as she was reading, she would see uh, residents whose heads were bowed, maybe sleeping, maybe who knows. Those of you who have participated in that kind of ministry can picture the scene. And she said, their heads would raise. And even if their heads didn't raise, they would begin mouthing the words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. She discovered then that there was something about the 23rd Psalm. that Maybe it's the lessons they learned about David and his his antics. Maybe maybe it was uh, the image of Jesus as the good shepherd. Who knows what she surmised, but she said there was something about the 23rd Psalm that touched a place in people's hearts, in their lives. Psalm 23. I'm going to read, and then I'm going to go back through the, the psalm and make some exegetical comments, um, and then I'm gonna share with you what I believe God has for me to say today. Psalm 23, I'm reading from the King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, Amen. As if this were a prayer. The Lord. Wow. This is is a bold statement that the psalmist David is making. Yahweh is my shepherd. An image that would... uh, unfold throughout the Scriptures, where God would speak through the prophet Jeremiah and even the prophet Ezekiel, and He said, you know, your earthly shepherds are failing you, but I, there will come a day, there will come a moment there will be it. I personally will be your shepherd. And we, and we watch that unfold as Jesus makes his appearance, the birth of Jesus, and his ministry begins. And he says, I see the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he says, I am the good shepherd. The one who lays down his life for his sheep. Yahweh. The infinite. Creator God is my shepherd. So, so inclusive. This is huge. This is the God of the universe that, that spoke and, and said, let there be light, and there was light, and he separated the land and the sea, and he separated the... And he formed me in his image. You and I, and he says... I am the shepherd of all humanity, but I am your shepherd, personally. To lie down in green pastures beside the still waters, it's the picture of contentment. (laughs) Frame it. Contentment. Like the deer laying in the woods back there after they've got the belly full of corn that Cheryl and I put out for them. And they're out there, Aaron, and they're chewing their cud and they're just, they hardly flinch anymore when Cheryl and I walk out. A reminder to us that Jesus plus nothing equals nothing everything and they told me I would never use math again, but I used it just then Jesus plus nothing equals everything he restoreth my soul and lead me in a path of righteousness you can feel it here there's a transition taking place There's movement. There's activity. He doesn't become our refuge. He doesn't become our shelter so that we can sit and chew our cud. It's not the point. It's not the point of this psalm at all. In my estimation, you can argue with me, call me up, we'll have coffee, I'll buy. Certainly that's part of the story that God restores us. God watches over us and cares for us, but there's movement. He is Jesus, the city of refuge. It's declared in the scriptures of old. But he moves us because God is on mission. He's on mission, and He's moving us out. I don't know why, but I just thought of cattle in Wyoming, so they're they're moving them right now from winter pastures and and their safety of their confines there off to the mountain pastures to get the lush green grass right now. And trail drives in Wyoming, and that's likely the traffic jam you could get into this time of year in certain parts of Wyoming is waiting on cattle to move. God's on the move. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Can you feel the courage that God is breathing into us? The same courage that Jesus breathed into the disciples when he talked to them and when he spoke to them. And he said, don't be afraid, little one, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's courageous. Courageous. Breathing into us. In fact, in fact, you might be curious to know this, that in ancient Rome when they uncovered the catacombs, the, the image that was most often depicted by the early Christians in their mosaics as they, would, as they would put these in the catacombs was the image of the Good Shepherd. Why? What did early Christians in Rome face? The Lion King. The emperor, they tossed to the lions. They They were tortured. They were maimed. They were killed at the pleasure of the emperors and those who hated them. And their image that they loved the most was the good shepherd who gives me courage. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. goodness and mercy shall follow me. That is a weak English translation of the Hebrew. It's not the good shepherd following along behind us, dutifully cleaning up our messes and tapping us to gently. It is, it is, as Eugene Peterson says, the aggressive grace of God pursuing us going hard after us, going hard after the lost, going hard after the wayward. Surely goodness and mercy will come after me. It is, it is echoed in Jeremiah. It is echoed throughout the Scriptures that we love because who did the loving first? Me? No. It is God who has drawn us with loving kindness. It is God who has pursued us from the very beginning. It's like, it's like the psalmist said, He's going to chase me all the way to heaven, all the way to His presence, to His pen, where the Good Shepherd guards the entrance lest an enemy try to overtake us. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? I don't see any smiles. I love that. God's after me. Pursuing me. What do you think the most frequent prayer is? I I don't know. If if you were waiting for me to tell you, I don't know. I didn't take a scientific poll, and I don't have any data for this. Besides, 45% of all statistics are made up on the spot, so you can't trust statistics. (laughs) <laughs> now you're smiling. <laughs> J.D. Walt, a writer that uh, I, I love to read his words, he, he suggested, he said, perhaps the most often prayed prayer is keep me safe. Keep me safe. I don't know. He says, perhaps right up there with daily bread, give me provision, give me Peace. People do pray for safety. I know we prayed for safety for, for years. We still do when our son Dylan was making the trek from South Dakota to, to Indiana for classes and back and forth along those roads and sometimes in the middle of winter, icy roads, uh, dangerous roads, treacherous. We prayed for, for safety and security for him quite often. In fact, every time he would leave, we'd pray, God, put your angels around his vehicle. We'd pray that. and We crave safety and security, don't we? Guys, they tell me that's what women crave more than anything else is just security. A strong tower. I don't know. The Lord is my shepherd. Emphatic emphasis. The psalmist declares the the source of his confidence. Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who delivered the Israelites from Egyptian bondage and led them through the waters on dry ground, not once, but twice, Manna in the desert years, immeasurable moments. How many but God moments is David calling to mind in this psalm when he says, The Lord is my shepherd. The psalm is not really so much a prayer, though we put an amen at the end of it. Oftentimes, I would submit to you today that the Psalm 23 is a declaration, a proclamation. A statement of faith. Maybe even so far, I, I told Tammy this yesterday, maybe even so far as a, as a prophecy. And I don't know where David was when he wrote this psalm, moment of quiet reflection plucking on his harp. You know that image, that... that's not the way I picture David. Or on his lyre. Maybe off in the distance he heard the jingling of a bell sheep. Maybe he's staring into the face of one of his greatest challenges ever. Maybe at one of those crossroads that Jeremiah wrote about. He said, when you come to the crossroad, ask for the ancient way. Maybe he's there. But this is what I read when I read the 23rd Psalm that David says, God, you have sheltered me. You have been my refuge. You have, you have given me rest. You have, you have restored my soul. You have renewed my spirit, God. And now there are before me a mission and I see and I sense courage rising in David's spirits. Right? Why? God is with me. Dude, God is with me. What can man do to me? God is with me. What can that valley of darkness hold for me? God is with me. God is with me and God is for me. Yahweh, the one who is eternally existing, David says he is with me my shepherd, my guide. David knows what we know, doesn't he? He knows that there are moments in life when, when the outcome in a moment is uncertain for us. We're waiting for the doctor's report. What will the pathology report say? What will it be waiting for the phone call after a job interview because we really need that job it has been a long time since we had a paycheck. News from a distant place, did you arrive safely, a valley of darkness ourselves? Shirley, you remember when we moved to Sioux Falls, and we were we were in that valley of darkness, that dark night of the soul, and we prayed every night, and, and Dylan would call me into his bedroom, and we would sing songs. He would say, just sing to me, Dad, just sing to me, and sing me that one song, Dad, and we would sing, and we would sing, and, and one day I came home. I'd just been at, at a Guatemalan restaurant, because they had great smothered burritos, green or red chili, and those things were huge. It was like eating a house. I don't know. And I brought half of it home, and Dylan was was home and standing in the kitchen. And And he looked at me, Dad, and he says, is it ever going to get better? I don't know about you, but when, when it's you in the middle of a dark valley and you're asking that question, that's one thing. But Alan, when your kid looks you in the face and says, is it ever going to get better? That is a moment. That is a moment. And here's, here's the thing. Sometimes we get stuck in that moment. That's that's what happens when we when we encounter depression in our lives, is that we get stuck in that moment and it's like it's like it just keeps clicking and clicking and clicking and, and we can't see the way out and we can't see the way forward and we can't see, ah, am I ever gonna get through this? That's what happens. And hope starts ebbing away. And here's what happens, I think, folks. Happens to us. Happens to churches. Happens to families. They lose the vision of the future. They start to come to believe that this is all that it's ever going to be is this dark place, right? And sometimes you need help to get out of there. And and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this today like we did last week, but sometimes you need help. And it is okay, my friend, to see a professional. It is okay to seek medical interventions. Medication is not sin, especially and even for a medical illness that affects your mind. Is okay, but not okay. Cause you see what happens and why 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 songs of fate why why this matters is because what happens when people get stuck, they lose the vision of what is ahead. Right? You see, faith, faith is seeing the future that God has prepared for his people. You see what David does in this psalm is, is he says, yeah, the Lord has, has comforted me, but that's not the end of the story. The Lord has caused me to lie down by, by still waters, but that's not the end of the story. There is more ahead, and God is taking us somewhere, and it is as if the good shepherd lays hold of me and says, trust me, I'm going to take you somewhere, and we're going to get where I'm taking you. Like, like when Jesus told the disciples, cross over the boat, and he said, what, didn't I tell you I'd meet you over there? You just, where's your faith? God is taking us somewhere, folks. He has saved us from hell and He is taking us to eternity with Him. We're at His right hand. the goodness and mercy that has pursued me all of my life will become my reality forever and ever and ever. And you know what that does, Jane? This, this really emboldens me to do hard things. This, this really emboldens me to dare to risk for God's glory. This, this emboldens, we're, we're gonna give you some cookies later in the service and you're gonna wonder why are they giving me cookies? It's not, maybe not what you think, but this emboldens me to share the gospel. This emboldens me. that even if I don't know how this is gonna turn out, God has asked me to take one step and I will take it. Because the one who holds the stars is holding on to me. I know it's an old cliche, and we'll get back to it, but sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. In other words, we can't see what God is leading us toward because of what is in front of us and what's around us. And here the psalmist declares, I'm saying something to the darkness. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm saying something to my enemies. You will not have the last word on my life. I am saying to myself, God has got this. I see the future, and it is good. Amen. I feel so vulnerable. And worship happens, my friend. Worship happens when we vulnerably trust God in a moment and the certainty of what God has for us. I have a friend, calls me every once in a while from South Dakota. I always think, I wonder what Carl wants today. Always wondered what he wanted when he came to see me. Let's have coffee. There's always something behind the phone call. And Carl would always tell me one thing before we got off the phone, he would always say, persistence beats resistance, every time. He'd say, Bob, just remember, persistence beats resistance. Resiliency, he was trying to speak resiliency into my life. And do you know what the best indicator of resiliency in your life is? Studies have been done on this. Why, why are some children more resilient than others? You know what it is? It's a strong narrative. It's a strong story. A strong family narrative. This is our story as a family. These, these are the challenges we've come up against. These are the opportunities we've embraced. This is, this is how we have overcome. That, that becomes the best indicator of resilience in children is a strong narrative. And I think this is, again, one of those other places where the scriptures are so far ahead of science, God said, I have recorded your story. Do you see the Bible is the family story? It's not just a collection of stories that we want our kids to learn about David and Goliath or about Elijah or about Ruth or about... That. That's our story, church. This book is our story. And Charles Spurgeon, he said everything that's recorded, all those stories in the Bible that are recorded, they're there as predictors and prophecy about what God wants to do in and through your life, the very same thing. That's why why James said Elijah was a man just like you. Just like you. This is our story. This is our song, Psalm 23. It's not just something we print on funeral folders. This is our story. The shepherd... Chased me down. When I was lost, he found me. He took me in. He restored my soul. He's sending me on mission with Jesus to seek and save the lost. And though my enemies be encamped about me, ah, they can't take away what God has given me. The future is mine, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Is it your story? That's the question at the end of the day. Is it your story? Is it your story? Maybe you've forgotten part of the story and you're saying, wow, I just needed to be reminded of that today. That is my story. I don't know, but we're, we're going to sing. The worship team's going to come. I'm not going to sing. The worship team is. And we just, we want to give you time to respond. Maybe maybe you're in that dark valley and you're just saying, wow, I just, you just need to find a place in the waiting room of faith today. Maybe, maybe today it's you. I, I wish that were my story. It's not right now, but Jesus, will you make this my story? Respond to him in faith. We just need a faith boost today. I don't know. But God is here, ready to meet with you, shepherd of the sheep, present and active. I'm going to sit down, be quiet you listen to the voice of God as he speaks to you as we sing. Amen.